Join over 400,000 people just like you and I who are taking control of their wellness journey with Biome. Get personalized and precise recommendations on how to optimize your health and help you function at peak performance. Based on your results from blood, stool, and now saliva, the Viome Full Body Intelligence Test tells you what foods you should eat and what foods you should avoid and why. They're also the only company in the world to offer custom pre-probiotics and precision supplements which are made to order and only include the ingredients in the precise dosages that your body needs and nothing that it doesn't. Shop now at Viome.com, V-I-O-M-E, dot com forward slash good currency and save fifty dollars on our full body intelligence test or bundle it with code currency 50. the first step is just making a map of your life and where you're having positive neutral negative impact and then start with 10 percent ideally you're starting with 10 percent of your time or money and so that could be in your job but that could be you know, Saturday afternoon and one evening a week that you're devoting to something that is an impactful project. That can be volunteering, that could be giving money, it could be how you're gonna look at your purchases. But 10% should be something manageable that you can get to, and then you can increase it as you go. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Living Good Currency with Tony. And Tobias. We're so grateful and excited to sit down with someone who's, we just got to read this bio because it is, it's, it's extensive, it's impressive, boss. and yes, it's a boss, boss lady, right? <laughs> yes. So we are so grateful to have Alex Emuel to our podcast. We thank you so much for coming. Alex has spent over 15 years working in the social impact space. First, for one of the largest children's nonprofits, Save the Children, then for the Clinton Foundation. And she now leads Solve, an initiative at MIT. As a founding executive director of Solve, Alex has built and now oversees a fast-growing team whose mission is to drive innovation to solve global challenges. How do they do that? Their team finds, funds, and supports the most promising social innovators and entrepreneurs all around the world. To date, Solve has brokered funding commitments of over $50 million to their Solver teams and entrepreneurs worldwide. Welcome to the show, Alex. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And since, in fact, uh, it's now $60 million. Hey, just that quick so. 10 more meals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Incredible. Well, Alex, I mean... Just uh, we're going to I want to dive back with a lot of times in the podcast, we go back to people's either childhood, their upbringing, the thing that sort of motivated them and guided them. But quickly, just to get to since we started the bio off with with solve. Tell us a little bit more about solve and, you know, and what, what have you done to date? Um, yeah, so as you mentioned, um, when initiative of MIT and uh, really we drive innovation to solve world challenges by hosting open innovation challenges. So it could be on climate, health, learning, economic prosperity. You know, we've hosted topics like the future of work or resilient ecosystems or the care economy. Um, and then we ask innovators all around the world. They can be nonprofits or for-profits. They're based, they can be based in Afghanistan, in Benin, here in the US, in, you know, be it New York City or the Navajo Nation. Um, and the most, we then have a series of judges who select the most promising 
early stage tech-based social entrepreneurs. We give them funding, we give them coaching, mentorship, introductions, and we have about 100 organizations, so corporations, foundations, impact investors, philanthropists who are there to support them with resources. And the idea is that we're really getting these innovators to um, prove out their business model and their impact so that they can scale their ideas. Um, And yeah, 62% are women-led. There's 56 countries represented. Um, We have an indigenous communities fellowship in the U.S. and the Black and Brown Innovators Program. So we're also showing that these innovators, um, they're they're really diverse. Uh, They're most often underserved. They're not your typical, you know, Silicon Valley, Boston-based so entrepreneur and we're sort of moving, we're moving funding and, and spotlighting these, these heroes. Congratulations. And $60 million, that's just the funding, but just the resources and the experience and the mentorship. I mean, that's almost priceless to, to have that type of relationship. Uh, yeah. So when we ask them, absolutely. When we ask them what they need, uh, they always, funding is always one of the first things they say they need uh, for sure. But They also talk about technical expertise, business model expertise, thinking through, um, you know, results measurement and knowing whether they're going to have an impact. And then when we survey them at the end, uh, definitely still, I think (laughs) the prize funding rates highly, but some of the most transformative and best rated um, pieces of the program are the coaching and how that's completely helped them see both a completely, you know, different aspect of their organization, but also as a person. Um, and it's not something that, you know, when you're a cash-strapped uh, nonprofit or for-profit, you don't always, you're not always able to invest in um, legal services, coaching, uh, results measurement type things, and those are, are really important. So we we try and and support them with those uh, services as well. Incredible. Incredible. Uh, I'm going to dive into her. You know, we believe in living good currency. There's there's a lot of meanings to currency, the flow and, and, and what we like to call, you know, really focusing on people's purposes and aligning, with, which we believe is doing good for yourself and others daily and aligning it with your passions, your personal, professional and spiritual. So this solve, you know, you lived around the world in so many different places from what I read. And you've obviously been a part of different cultures and different people. And I'm sure that led to a lot of where Solve is being shaped and things that you've seen. I'm sure you have had a lot of other help. But, um, you know, what led you? Is there a moment that you can look back in in time, whether it was your upbringing, an event or something that really made you realize that this is your purpose or your passion to really help um, solve these type of issues? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I talk a little bit about this in my book, which is called The Answers You, A Guidebook to Creating a Life Full of Impact. Yeah. And I do go back to my childhood or even before I was born to, to my heritage and to um, my family. But um, I think um, I've always wanted to do good in the world. So when I was maybe 10 or so, I wanted to be a prosecutor and work Mm. in the criminal justice system. And then 
I switched to wanting to be a scientific researcher and rid the world of cancer. And I went to university to study biochemistry. And then I discovered that I really hated sort of pipetting things and waiting for gels to run. Mm. And, and I didn't have the patience, I guess, for what it takes to be a, a good scientific researcher. Um, so then I, I was a bit lost uh, and I went to study international relations for my master's. I also went teaching English in, in, in East Asia. And, um, and then no one would pay me, uh, when I came out of my master's in international affairs, no one would pay me to do what I wanted to do, which was work for a human rights organization. Um, so I joined a management consulting firm, uh, but still with the hope that I could sort of go and work for a nonprofit soon enough. And, Luckily for me, this um, it was the Boston Consulting Group, this strategy consulting firm had a pro bono clients and one of the pro bono clients was Save the Children. And mm. so after, after some time, I managed to get a pro bono project there and I met a great team and ultimately I went to work um, for them. Um, so I don't know that there's like a particular moment where um, this sort of passion, this like, impact mindset or purpose uh crystallized other than it was always there and you know and i and i think that for many people and when you look at surveys of young people uh, millennials and, and especially now gen zers the commitment to climate change yeah. to doing good in the world is really really high and then at some point in life, as we go to university, as we grow up, as we have to earn money, you know, um, start paying down student debt and et cetera, we sort of lose that and, and get sort of sucked into many other things which are also important and valuable. Um, and maybe I was lucky that I, I, I did sort of two years of the corporate world and then I was able to to switch. Um, but partly I wrote the book so that, um, to get everyone to want to move into a life full of impact, whether that is through your career and your day job, or whether that is through your side gigs, your volunteering, your giving, your investments, um, how you purchase things so that, um, you can see that you too can do good things in the world. Um, whether that's through your job or outside of your job. Oh, Alex, Alex, Alex. First of all, congratulations. Uh, Thank you. I'm sitting here taking many notes, although at the top of my notes was the book. The answer is you. Then it says leadership book changed the way you think. And when I was uh, looking uh, for excerpts, uh, you kind of like said it uh, in the first part. Yeah, money, especially, you know, we're in Los Angeles and there's a lot of work uh, in reentry space and homeless space and, you know, food insecurities and seeking to mobilize people on the grassroots, where I say gutter level, because a lot of people have been rinsed down into the gutter. It's not so much, as you said, the money, although, you know, everybody's applying for subsidies and monies and grants. It is that technical expertise. It's the business expertise. It's how to... Uh, measure results and deliverables, deliverables, and that's very uh, important because a lot of people don't have that kind of professional experience. And when you're seeking for a lot of these grants and subsidies, 
you got hundreds of pages and all this technical language, and it's often so difficult. So uh, I wanted to say thank you, you know, whether you're in benign Africa, Afghanistan, or South Central Los Angeles, the need on a grassroots level is still the same. And so uh, that was one thing. Uh, and you said 62% women leading, and that is another statistic that we share here locally in uh, America, and that a lot of the movements on the grassroots level are women. You know, a lot of the charity is coming from women. And so uh, now that this impact space is becoming more, uh, I guess, apparent, you know, because we've tore up the earth, you know, we, we've tore up land spaces, we've incarcerated, killed people, you know, all of that. Impact wasn't even thought about. That was a negative impact. Now, in our time, uh, people like yourself who've been involved in this 15 years, uh, y'all become the leaders. So your book, as you have said, uh, becomes essential reading for myself and us, a good currency, who we say love is the currency. And there's no greater mm -hmm. impact on people on an everyday basis, just a smile, a kind word, uh, trying to help others. That makes it, uh, ripples. Those make impacts. Or podcasts or being involved in different uh, businesses and investments, how you spend your money, how you vote. Etc. All this is giving different forms of impact. So uh, we just thank you for uh, bringing your voice on here today. And uh, that's what I've received so far. Yeah. Oh, thank you. And it's, uh, it's, it's really good that you highlight sort of all these grassroots organizations and movements that indeed may not be so visible, but are holding yes. whole communities up and indeed on, often staffed. On voluntary you know it's often people who are volunteering their time who are not getting paid who often can be women and things like that and but they're an essential part of you know you know an informal impact economy um and i think as people think about again if they want to get more into purpose and impact and doing good things but they're like, oh, I'm in marketing or I'm a lawyer or I'm a chef or I make films if I'm in L.A. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know, you know, I don't know how to help. Like going and finding those local grassroots organizations and not saying, oh, I'm going to help you plant trees mm -hmm. because you know nothing about <laughs> planting trees probably. But I can help you with your marketing because I'm a marketing exec and I can like help you get your website to be much more, you know, donor friendly and various things. And I've got a bunch of friends who can, you know, who I can bring to donate money. That makes a huge, huge difference. And, you know, that's part of what I talk about in the book is everybody has what I call superpowers, yes. but the things that make their skills, their lived experience, their trauma, the things that yes. make them unique, that they can contribute, whether they quite realize it or not. Like we need lawyers in yes. the social impact yes. space. So yes. uh, we need marketing executives. We need people who know how to, um, you know, who know how to um, work with food, you know, whatever it is. Um, and so, it's about sort of finding um, it's about finding the, the causes you care about and then the skills and then sort of owning the skills you have and bringing those to the table. Oh, Alex, Tony, Tony says it often in my situation, you know, coming from incarceration 30 years, he says transferable skills. And I explained yeah, yeah. to Tony, you know, uh, in his legal profession decades, 
being in Hollywood. I said, bro, you have transferable skills on the grassroots level that we need. So this relationship yeah. uh, with uh, yeah. Tony and Tobias and Living Good it actually represents the bridge. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's really a confirmation of both of our humanity. You know, yes, mm-hmm. the superpower, the skill, the superpower is really love. And you are actually... Uh, allowing the currency of your love to be seen in a skill or an act of kindness, whatever the case might be. But I think ultimately when we are seeking to help people, in my experience, it is the connection of our humanity uh, that it yeah. means more people. Maya Angelou says that people doesn't remember so much what you say, but how you make them feel. So in our relationships and these kind of relationships that you are, we're actually bringing worlds uh, together. And as you said, in people's trauma, the opposite of trauma is resiliency. So if you take a traumatized community, whether it's historical, systemic, personal, you know, whatever kind of trauma it is, and those people hold valuable wisdoms and lessons that we can glean from. So, yes, is documents. We need lawyers. We need marketing. Uh, we need to be able to place this on a podcast or a documentary or a movie, whatever the case might be. So now, spe- uh, specifically, uh, this is the time where impact to me uh, means everything. And these are the kind of relationships. If I wasn't in relation with Tony, I wouldn't be here talking to you today and Rachel and Dominique yep. and all the people that I've met. Yeah. So this is, I believe, is the movement that we are inviting mm-hmm. uh, our audience uh, to. And uh, yeah, I just uh, constantly uh, marvel as as the blessings of being able to uh, share these kind of conversations with beautiful souls like yourself. Thank you. Thank it's you true, so brother. That's uh, we 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 we've really we've we've gotten. This is um you know we made the right intention, and then you know you sort of see what the mm. the actions, the results are out of our control. Um, so you just show up and try your best. One of the things that you were talking about with solve is you know these different aspects. Some people want the money, or everyone wants the money, but people want different relationships and experiences. Um, it reminds me of a program. My wife is a public relations just master. She works, um, she's right now at a company called Munlo, and she developed with other, a couple other women this program called Mom Turnships, which mm. they just launched uh, a couple months ago. And it's really taken off because she was saying so many moms that have masters or have been professionals or, or whatever, then they, they, they take these sabbatical so to speak you know to take care of their kids and when they come out they don't know where to go they don't know how to start they feel left out and so um it is getting moms back into the workforce through these mom turnships and creating these programs so that moms whether it's in marketing legal social wherever it is um and i think the more this is happening more and she's seeing how bigger companies are even accepting this more where maybe just a few years ago it feels like that was never talked about that's um that's partly why we did this care economy challenge um for solve in 2022 um because especially during the pandemic um more women dropped out of the workforce because care duties both for children and for elders um were heightened and that burden has always unfortunately disproportionately fallen on women and so with the pandemic that that issue has been exacerbating and so what we were looking for um for our solutions for the care economy is both revaluing care as a profession um be it across you know health child care elder care etc cetera, etc cetera, 
um, but also allowing uh, more solutions so that um, women can go back into the workforce or, or go into the workforce and not be sort of penalized with yeah. this society, the sort of the remaining patriarchal norms, which means mm. they disproportionately have to uh, shoulder that. Um, but yeah, that sounds what your wife is doing. Sounds fantastic. Oh, it's, and I, really I, aligns with that. Yeah. I would love <laughs> to connect you guys, but she, you know, they had this yeah. line says, put mom on the resume, yeah. you know, like, yeah. and so that's, you know, cause that's something you usually shy away from. Where, where where's this, t- why is there a four year gap here? Five year gap, put mom on the resume, yeah, transferable right. skills. That's you know what right. I learned in those four to five oh, years. Goodness. And so, you know, you empower women and you flip it completely on its head and as soon as you flip that on its head, then all, then the employers can think, oh wow, you're right. These are these are amazing skills that you know are often overlooked. Uh, anyway, so I just wanted to you know, and you're right. The, yeah, the, the, negotiate the, with uh, key stakeholders yeah. on, oh. <laughs> 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 including late night, uh, late night. Yeah, I think you could write it up in a <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Anyway. Yes. So the uh, all hours, all hours and negotiations, the moms, the CEO, we say all this stuff and we've known about it, but you know, we know that the moms and women are the CEOs of the household. They control the purses. They do this, they do that. But it's, but until you then create a, a, a vehicle or solutions like you guys did at solve, you know, sometimes it just falls on deaf ears. And so you give, you know, you give these women and I mean, she had, they had an overwhelming amount of, of moms that had just, were just so grateful for the opportunity to apply to be an intern. And, you know, you just, just, just so, and these are, she's like blown away by their resumes. Like what? You know, anyway. So with, with, with solve, you know, if we can go back or, you know, yes, you said you, you were lucky enough to have a client and you saw the pro bono, um, save the children, but you also had clearly in your ethos, you, you weren't, necessarily maybe or however distracted by like you had talked about how we we have all these goals and then life happens and we get distracted and I think that's one of the keys is to figure out how do we create tools solve these issues give practical guidance I mean what one of the things that we're Mm. our goals and our mission and visions over here is to make practical inspiration like it's one thing to inspire people, make them feel good at a conference and, you know, just feel like they can save the world. But without the practical, you know, cheat sheet of how to do it um, on an everyday basis, you get lost, you know, and we just and you just and you just you, you turn inward and say, well, I got my own problems to solve or, you know, look at all this money. It's not solving anything. So what am I going to do? Right. And so if you look at it from that perspective, it could be definitely daunting. But one of the things that, and I don't know, I would love to hear from you and some of the people that you've been around at Solve or even your past organizations. For us, it's less about the results. It's about the intentions and the actions that you do. Because if you do that, you ultimately will feel good. And feeling good is what we all want to do. We all want to feel good. We want to feel happy. And in, when you have the right intentions, you do the right actions, you're allowing yourself what we call like sort of the divine algorithm, like the miracle to happen, Mm -hmm. right? Rather than focusing on a result, because if you drive yourself to results only, you're often disappointed, right? And, and you're often, you know, Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think what I, what I say, um, and actually again, it comes from, from my book, um, what I say, and that's, I think chapter four is, 
to do an audit of your life across all the different categories. Uh, and so career and job is one of them, but also your money, your side hustles, your volunteering, your family, your the institutions you're part of, that could be religious institutions, that could be schools you're affiliated to, et cetera. So look at all your life um, and first I advise that you start rating it by what you, how much time you're spending in these different categories, but also what are you having a positive, neutral, negative impact in those categories? And then think, and so, and then think about how that's the first step is just like making a map of like your life and where you're having positive, neutral, negative impact. And then uh, my advice is to start with 10%, mm. you know, to get past that being overwhelmed part. Ideally, you're starting with 10% of your time or money. And so that could be in your job, but that could be, you know, Saturday afternoon and one evening a week that you're devoting to something that is an impactful project. Um, and again, that can be volunteering, that could be giving money uh, away, and many religions do in fact talk about giving away 10%. It could mm. be looking at you know your investments and looking at impact investing. It could be how you're gonna look at your purchases. But um, you know, 10% should be something manageable that you can get to, and then you can increase it as you go. But then similar to what you were saying about saying don't like focus too much on the result or the outcome is as you, you know, go and volunteer, as you go and take a course or, you know, start a side gig in, in this or, whatever, or devote more time at your job at, at something impactful, you will just meet a lot of other people. You'll get to know what's happening in the space um, and just you'll get to make friends and build relationships, as you would say. And all of these things, just it's gonna, it's gonna, if you can be intentional about that 10%, before you know it, it'll just increase and increase and increase. Um, and it will bring, you know, there's a lot of um, evidence that, you know, giving money and doing good and living it off for purpose is like a selfish act in the sense mm, that yes. it actually makes you feel better and good about yourself yes, and yes. you know you'll just get it's it'll just be its own reward as you go and in the process you'll meet a lot of other people and and that will it will keep sort of building on that um mm. so that's sort of my practical advice to get started I is think it. about all aspects of your life and then choose some of to you know maybe it's something through you a religious affiliation you're um uh, institution you're affiliated or it's or it's your alma mater or it is your job or things like that and then and then carve out 10 percent of your time and money towards that i love it that is practical uh, advice uh, alex uh, uh, there was a as you were speaking i was thinking of a time when i i, I got out of a prison in 2018 and uh, a part of my healing is landscaping, staying in the earth, urban farming. And that led me to a house in Beverly Hills, a family who lived in Malibu. I believe it was a fire in Malibu. So uh, the wife of the house, uh, she needed to go to Kaiser. So she's living in Beverly Hills for some months. And so this is how our lives interacted. Uh, they're in their 60s and 70s, highly accomplished people. 
And so COVID took place. And when COVID took place, they're looking on the news and they're showing the inner city how a lot of the unhoused, what we call homeless people, were not masked, were not getting uh, what they needed to keep themselves. So she said, um, I'm not going to say her name, but she said, she called me out. Tobias, um, I need to ask you a question. Yes, ma'am. She said, this is the first time I ever felt a connection to the inner city. Because if COVID is affecting them, it would affect me. And I stopped and paused. I said, yes, ma'am. If impoverishment affects them, it would affect you. If any kind of hurt or harm, hurt people, hurt people as healed people, healing people help each other's healed. So she took it one step further. She said, if you can find out what's the need and why are these government agencies not able to provide these people what they need, then come back and tell me in one phone call. One phone call that uh, me and the team, you can look this up through uh, Words Uncaged, uh, we got a, a group of men who was ex-gang members to go through that whole area and pass out gloves, pass out masks, pass out food, etc. But it goes into the interconnection. It goes into the bridging. It goes into me just being paid to do a landscaping job in which uh, this beautiful soul, this beautiful woman, her husband's in there watching television and feeling for the first time you know, in her her life, that, man, if I don't address COVID there, it's going to harm me here. So on a larger text, when you're talking about solving various, right now we're in a very difficult situation, and you're talking about inflation and gas prices and food prices and, you know, all the hurt and harm that is going on is that these bridges and just something simple as me sitting there minding my business uh, weeding some 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 roses in Beverly Hills turned out to three to four hundred people in the inner city getting masked or brought the COVID numbers down. They had a ripple effect. So to your point, it can be very practical. It'd be very but one if I wasn't you know able to articulate the need, make the connections, uh, make sure I can mobilize a team on the grassroots level because no one wanted to go deal with those people and have an accessibility to both. The individual who can provide the need and those who receive the need to have the trust in us that you need to put the mask on, you need to clean your hands, et cetera. So, yeah, when you were speaking, that's just a practical example that happened in my life, how we can work together. You're a a wonderful connector, and that's not an easy place to be in. So, Mm, you know, thank you for being able to be in that position and, that story tells me it's never too late to, no, you know, no. listen and widen your aperture. And yes. this concept of widening your aperture is actually comes from uh, my friend and somebody I do talk about in the book, Kevin Adler, who yes. I think you would like his work if you've heard of mm. him. You should bring him on the podcast hey. next week. Uh, but he uh, he runs an organization called Miracle Messages, and it's uh, it's about um, supporting unhoused neighbors and yes. people experiencing homelessness. And indeed, what he talks about is it's not about, you know, there are all these services. There are shelters and housing programs and pa- food pantries and other things. But um, he and he learned this through the experience of his uncle who uh, who had mental health issues and was in an, you know, 
uh, was unhoused mm -hmm. uh, periodically throughout his life, but he never experienced his uncle that way because um, because to him he was his uncle and also because they kept the connection. And so what he realized is a lot of the people who experience long-term homelessness um, are completely disconnected yes, from yes. their family and support system. Yes. And if you can reconnect them uh, to them, to a long lost family member, et cetera, et cetera, you can increase the odds of these people then moving um, sort of successfully um, staying in housing and, st you know, and addressing mm. some of the other needs that they might have that need to be addressed through wraparound services. But a lot of it for him is indeed what he calls widening your aperture yeah. and being able to see that. Um, and he's based in San Francisco, which um, mm -hmm. obviously uh, also has a, a larger housing and homelessness issue problem. But being able to walk in the street and, and really see that and connect as human beings to um, on-house neighbors rather than seeing them as yes. a problem and somebody somebody who is not worth your time. Um, I love that. And so, anyway, I that's a lot of what you made me think about. So do check out Miracle Messages. He's, For sure. He's a fabulous human being, and it's a really, really um, wonderful um, organization who's also doing a lot of, they're doing tests right now on various forms of uh, universal basic income and yes. other things. It's really interesting. Yes. Thanks for sharing that. We love meeting incredible souls. Discover how your gut biome, oral microbiome, and cellular health impact how you feel, how you age, and your overall health with full body intelligence. The most advanced at home health tests available. Simply, Collect your blood, stool, and saliva samples. Send them to BioLab, and within two to three weeks, receive your science-backed, personalized health scores and food and supplication requirements. Use code CURRENCY50 to get $50 off of your full-body intelligent test or bundle. Shop now at Viome.com slash goodcurrency. So, Alex, in Solve... You've you've went from fifty to sixty quite fast to because, <laughs> but but I love it from an entrepreneur standpoint. You know the, the term is often pivot or you know you know I didn't expect it. Nothing ever went according to plan. What is some of the biggest, the biggest, or some of the biggest surprises that you have seen since you had the you know since you started Solve and where it is today? Um, is there anything that hasn't gone that is unexpectedly good or different than you expected? Mm, I mean, there's a lot of things that have gone slower or faster than I expected, or um, were were really not that easy. Um, but I think some of it is uh, relates to. When, when we talked about saying 62% of our um, our teams are women-led, mm. uh, for example, and the diversity that we have across uh, the program, you know, we know these statistics of like 3% of venture capital uh, goes to women-led uh, women startups and less than 1%, I think, goes to black-led startups in this country. And it's... Like, it's flabbergasting to me in the sense of 
uh, our program is one that is uh, completely open. Anyone anywhere can apply. And then I don't select the teams who win. We select judges, basically, and the experts from MIT faculty to corporate leaders to foundation leaders. To We try and have a real diversity in our judging pool as well. So we pick the judges, and then the judges pick the winners. And there's definitely a criteria on what we call, um, I think it's got a really, the criteria is, <laughs> It's got a really difficult name, like human-centered, mm. human-centered design, or something like that. But it's about capturing that the team is is proximate to the problem they're seeking mm. to solve, and the community they're seeking to serve, and they demonstrate um, values of diversity, equity, inclusion, and other things. And um, so, really, that that's a that is an explicit criteria. But you know, in that sense, it's surprising that our stats and because this is tech based entrepreneurs, yeah. right. And yeah. technology is not like, again, a place that's typically that diverse that we get, right. we get, you know, 40% of our applicants are from sub-Saharan Africa. Mm. That there, there is, I think we knew this, uh, but now we've shown it mm. to be true. And, um, and then it's still then flabbergasting to me that, um, you know, typical, um, both on the venture capital side, but also on the typical philanthropy side, um, people sort of say they can't find That's right. entrepreneurs, they can't find innovators, the pipeline isn't there, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, no, I think it's- Gotta look a little harder. You have closed, you know, often you don't allow people to, even if you, they have to be, they have to meet you at a conference or they have to be, I don't know, playing, I, I say in my book, I make a joke because you have to be, play polo with the program <laughs> officer to be allowed to apply, right? And it's, and it's a caricature, but <laughs> maybe not. Well, you know? I, and I think, Alex, there's yeah. the, what you're, what you're, the other thing that you're solving by default, like you said, or by, as, a, as a bonus, is you're giving, we had um, Robbie, uh, who's on the, the, one of the co-founders and current CEO of giving on um, uh, on the podcast, but he, we also were just with him yesterday because a lot of these things turn into movements after the podcast. We were like, well, we want to do this. So we do too. And he said, you know, generally in his experience in working with a, a incredible amounts of philanthropists, uh, celebrity Hollywood corporations, they actually generally do want to do good. They just have either been lazy about it or where they get their quote unquote deal flow or opportunity. So let's even assume that it's not a polo match, but it, it, they, 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 it's just, they're seeing the same deal flow. Right. And they're, 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 they want in on the FOMO or they, you know, they're, they're afraid. And so companies like solve or, or organizations like solve, give them another outlet to maybe they don't participate in what solve is doing, but at least solve could, um, points other companies and organizations to a lot of these venture capitalists um and family foundations yeah, and, and that's uh that's what we do and also i think we are showing um you know and especially for example with our indigenous communities fellowship yes, yes. we're also showing what a different face both of what an innovator and entrepreneur is 
but also what technology is because mm. you know you think of MIT and you think about drones yes. and robots and AI and and people on in space and that's definitely what we do like, let's mm. be clear about that but also you have incredible um indigenous technologies and ancestral knowledge systems yes, yes. that have existed for thousands of years and been passed on through oral traditions and our more sustainable building methods, mm. our more sustainable irrigation techniques to the current and, you know, as we think about the future, are better adapted so that we return to these uh, indigenous mm. technologies you, in some cases. Yeah. Uh, and one of the people um, that uh, that I really like, uh, but I don't have any favorites, so mm. <laughs> just to be clear, <laughs> but one of the people I really like and who illustrates this is, is Michael um, running wolf who runs the international mm. ai wakashan consortium and he his day job uh or at least his day job used to be i don't know if he's still there but it's he's he's in one of the big tech firms yes. um and then but he and a number of colleagues are basically trying to um design AI and natural language processing systems to revitalize and preserve uh, polysynthetic languages and their, yes, their traditional yes, um, yes. languages because nowadays there's not enough um, native speakers uh, to practice it as much. So, oh, um, and he's also doing coding boot camps in, in, um, in North and South Dakota and many other things. And, it's really, but in that sense, he's like blending modern technology and modern Western technology with then the ancestral languages and the native languages and, and sort of bringing both together. And that's really exciting. Oh, yes. When you said uh, earlier about revalue, when we was dealing with mothers and women and uh, the work and effort and love that they bring to ourselves and world. Just now, uh, I just pray that audience can really uh, grasp. Uh, they have it called right now. Um, I guess they call it uh, ethnocultural sensitive pedagogy, ethnocultural relevant pedagogy. You know, activating the ancestral gene, and you know all these. And this stuff is real because you just you're speaking to it. Uh, my, my younger sister Sade is a professor at USC University of South Carolina. Uh, wow. and uh, she's opened a school in Cameroon, Africa. And so when me and Tony was in France, uh, I was across the Mediterranean, she was in Africa. So I was in the water, she was in the water, and we communed through the water. Point. She's taking, or she's not taking, she's communing or creating a space for the families and their children to come into this, this, this educational space and she's solely offering resource, community, and love to bring forth the ancestral wisdoms. But this is scientific. Dopamine is, as you would know, you went to school for it. I just figured it out somehow. Uh, dopamine is the learning, uh, you know, biotransmitter or neurotransmitter. It is also the well-being. It's also how we find pleasure. So once we can influence people's brains and hearts and minds to get high on podcasts, to get high on connection and to get high on learning or knowing that I am valued and I have something valuable to give to the world. 
and we have these forms of connections and bridges again that allow, it means a lot when Alex says there's value in these people because people value you. So when they value you, just the same way Rachel said, come on this podcast, probably a thousand podcasts you could have came on and probably denied. <laughs> but you came on us because Rachel gave us value. And so yeah. when you said that just now about the ethnoculturally sensitive or relevant uh, uh, wisdoms of ancestors that are thousands of years old, many of our, our pharmaceuticals, many of the ways that we build was initially based upon the systems and so to for you to say that I just had to take a moment to give a shout out to my younger sister, Sade, professor, and two, <laughs> that there is a new wave of energy or a renewed wave of energy that are returning to those systems and making great impact locally, nationally, and around the world. So we honor you and we thank you again. Uh, and Tony is always on Solve and I'm always on the book. So it is one more thing you could tell me about the book, uh, please. Uh, yeah, can I have one more? Because I'm going to get it and I'm going to purchase it because uh, you know, I'm an impact guy. So uh, can you Good give me one more nugget out of the book? One more nugget out of the book, please. Um, I'm trying to think through there are so many because I, I tell the stories. So throughout the book, it's it's sort of my advice and, and the sort of framework for moving your life to moving the needle of your life to, to do more and more impact. But I also tell all these stories of different people. Um, one of them that I'll tell you, um, which is just coming to me. Um, but there's, there's lots of incredible mm -hmm. people that, um, uh, Rajesh Nandan, who's actually a, um, he's a, he's a solver and he's, mm. uh, an MIT alum. Um, but he, uh, runs this company called Ultranauts, which is about, um, it does software QA, basically quality assurance and, and other things. Uh, and 70% of his company is on the autism spectrum. Um, because, you know, throughout, uh, throughout his life, he, worked on different issues. He was, a uh, he went to MIT. He then sort of joined Microsoft and, and was an engineer. And then he did a number of things. Uh, and then he, and then he switched to work in social impact initially on HIV AIDS and then mm -hmm. with UNICEF and other things. And he kept coming back to seeing either friends he knew or people he knew who had various forms of disabilities, uh, be it, people on the autism spectrum to, to many other um, physical disabilities and other things and seeing um, the massive lost potential of, you know, their un underemployment or unemployment people who'd been super smart when they were at MIT, but couldn't, uh, couldn't hold down a job in the end and or various other things. And with one of his former classmates, at some point who, who had been working in software engineering and had a company and says, I can never find enough qualified people with the right skills uh, when it comes to software QA and other things, they sort of made the connection that actually not everybody on the autism spectrum, but if you're looking for those types of skills, actually disproportionately, you might find them with, um, with people for autism. And so they started their company initially with, 
just finding three software engineers and it's now grown to a hundred people. Mm. Um, it, they work for very large companies. Um, and for him, partly it started because he's from Sri Lanka originally and mm. he had to leave when there was a civil war when he was 11. And I can't remember, but one of his parents is Tamil and the other one is Sinhalese, um, which mm -hmm. was part of the, the war. And, you know, his last name meant that he, yes. you know, he wasn't accepted and various things like that. And so he sort of says, I've always had a deep intolerance for intolerance mm. and sort of how do you make the work of the future fair for everyone to participate? And that if we could make work work for yeah. people on the autism spectrum, we make it fairer for everybody. And so what I also think was interesting is during the pandemic, he actually wrote an article for Forbes because his company from the beginning has been 100% remote because people who are on the autism spectrum would struggle typically with commuting and open mm. plan offices and other things. And so they were like, why do we need to have an office? Why do we need to come in? And so the way even they interview, the way they work, the way is very much adapted. But in fact, it's what everybody <laughs> like now that. is doing for many parts. Come on, come on. And it works for everyone. And so if you can make it's fair for, you know, some of the most underserved people in society, um, in this case, um, people with autism, but it could be anything else. Then you'll make, then you make it fair for everybody. And I think that that's, to me, that's like, um, really wonderful. Examples. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, that's a great story. And it goes to, that's why I asked you about your background. You know, most, usually it's something, you know, I was waiting for when you were talking about him, I was waiting for you to describe that he had a kid, that he have someone, that's what it was, right? It usually takes something or an experience of something, getting sick, watching someone that sort of shifts you. And so for those who are listening who may not have that, you know, people like you with Solve or what he's doing or what hopefully we're trying to achieve, we are giving people that may not have that moment yet to say, oh, that's just a great idea. That, that just makes sense. You know, let me let me help participate in that, you know, because it makes sense. Um, and I think that's, you know, you don't have to necessarily go through certain things to go through it, but to, to, to problem well, solve. I don't think so. I think what, what I talk about is think about problems that you want to solve that resonate with your story. Yeah. For some people, it is problems they or their family face directly. Um, somebody was sick, somebody died, uh, things like that. They, they went through, um, really a hard time for various reasons, but sometimes it's not so direct and you're not always, and I'd say Rajesh's story is not that per se, he was directly affected from this problem, but Correct. more the story of his life transposing it differently and also just witnessing this issue. And I think for me, some of it, you know, is, um, is also indirect in the sense that my, my father is French, um, from Algeria and, and mm. then sort of during the war of decolonization was never able to return to his country. And then on my mother's side, it's also a family of refugees from, from Russia originally and Jewish and mm. Nazi Germany and Palestine and many other places. So, um, 
and you know, there's other things in my life as well, but it, you know, some of that is when I, when I think of Syrian refugee, uh, a young woman crossing the Mediterranean on one of these boats, you know, that was my grandmother mm. 80 years ago, escaping Europe to find safety in the Middle East, right? The, mm. She was doing the journey in the opposite direction. Um, but even if it's, you know, even you, if, you, if you grew up and your family comes from mountains of privilege, mm. <laughs> you know, I think you can still do what Kevin Absolutely. asks, which is widen your aperture and just go walking, go walking a few blocks down the street probably than where you are and go volunteer at a a local grassroots organization. And, and I'm not saying go and find suffering, right? Mm -hmm. That's go and find the humanity in in your neighbors and your communities and understand and listen to what they're going through and how it might still relate to a story that you you and your family have long forgotten about your past, but I think you can still, um, and in creating that community, it will become your story too. So, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of humanity and there's a lot of problems that you can focus on. And, and I think finding how it resonates with you is, is what will keep you going. Amazing. Um, well, that's, that's, that's a beautiful way to just, yeah, that's the way to put a nice bow on it. Uh, drop you know? the bike. She dropped the bike on that one. Yeah. Alex, thank you. It's been a wonderful, wonderful hour just sitting here and listening, getting to know you. I know, and, and I have a sneaky suspicion that we'll end up keeping this communications going. Thank you, Alex, again, so much for everything you do. Thank you for your time. And good luck on, you know, I'm hoping the next time uh, maybe we have you on, it will be over $100 million or whatever hey. else it will be that you oh, can. We'll get that. We'll get that, I think, soon enough. Yeah, sure. yeah. But well, either way, you. anybody, you know, just it's 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 awesome to, to, to get to know you. We thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Don't forget to check out new episodes every Monday. We're super excited about this. I'm Alex Samuel. I'm Tony Samadani. I'm Tobias Tubbs. And we are Living, living Good Currency. Good Currency.